0: Is. This is the price This is the price the gold ship. This is
1: station. This is Doctor I, and I hope that Doctor Joe responds to me. Are you there, Dr. Joe?
2: I am. I'm here on the steamy west coast of the United States.
1: Well, it's kind of warm here too.
2: Is it one hundred and eight degrees and no, sunny there? That would be enough. Okay. That would be enough. Okay. But All right. um, I have it's, to be by about twenty degrees then.
1: Okay. Well I'm I'm glad that you're here with me. Um, and we are looking through the window today. It's Saturday. Hi. And As I look through the window here in Central Ohio, I see cars lined up to get to the shopping centers. I see people driving to parks. Uh, Everybody is pumped up, it seems, to get out and spend money and enjoy the spring weather and come back to life after being shut down for 12 months or more. And so that's going to be a good thing for the economy. Well, it
2: is. I confess I'm still feeling some kind of way about that. This, of course, is the end of the Memorial Day week, and um, I'm feeling some kind of way about everything. So we'll talk about that in just a moment when we get to our topic. But I'm seeing people without masks, and that makes me feel queasy. I've said before I'll probably wear my mask for the rest of my life. I like living in a germ-free world. But I really had underestimated how much, this is going to sound very strange, how much I felt a sense of unity with others who worked together during the pandemic. And that mask was a sign of that. And so I feel kind of a sense of loss of that kind of camaraderie. And really, that's what we're going to talk about today, is loss in the form of what we commonly call grief. And, of course, Memorial Day week is a time when we feel a lot of grief sometimes. Remember, we used to call that Decoration Day.
1: I remember my parents talking about going to get the flowers to take them out to the funeral, um, out to the cemetery. And it was such a somber trip that I rarely went because we would get out there and put the flowers down and there would be these long moments of silence. Uh, My sister, who was killed in a car accident when she was 18, that was a very sad trip. And my grandparents were out there and a number of other people that we loved. Um, And my parents took it in every single Memorial Day. They stood there and they just stood in silence, I guess, recognizing the loss and remembering the good times.
2: And so you're right, that didn't work for you, it worked for them, and so we all deal with grief in different ways, but when I look back, when I reflect back through the window on the past year, and we hear people talking about what they did or weren't able to do to address their mental health needs during the during the pandemic, and and you and I have talked about this on our show with with guests to help us and our audience through that, I'm wondering if when we can put a name on what it is we're feeling, that helps. And so oftentimes, I think what we grieve during the past year was not just the loss of loved ones, and a lot of that happened during the past year, but the loss of health sometimes, the loss of freedom, the loss of fun, and the loss of recreation. And so our guest today is specifically going to talk about that kind of grief that comes with losing a loved one. Most of our audience has probably felt that in some way or another if you've lived long enough. But I'm wondering if there might be some lessons from our guest today in terms of other forms of grief and loss and whether some of the depression our audience may have felt during the past year may begin to take care of itself as, you're right, as we get out and about more and begin to resume the, the activities we were involved in. So, so a great start to June and a great start to the show today.
1: Yes, um, and you bring up a very important point. Um, with the pandemic, with COVID, came loss, personal loss, people dying unexpectedly. Um, and then the isolation and then the loss of jobs and then people struggling with personal relationships and depression and all of that. So in my lifetime, this has been the most, um, I don't even know if there's a word for it. Uh, sad is, is an easy way to put it. The saddest time I've ever been through and I'm still in recovery. Yes, recovery is a good term. Yes. And yes. so let's let's try to do what we can
2: today to help start to turn that around by dealing with some stark realities. It, it might sound a bit morbid that we're talking about death and grief but that's part of life. It is. And so our guests today are experts in all aspects of what we'd like for our audience to consider as you grapple with this thing we call grief in its many forms.
1: And I'm delighted because I believe we have a ray of sunshine coming on the show today. Her name is Lori Diaz, and she is the owner and funeral director of Affinity Chapel. And I would like to welcome her to the show. Are you there, Lori?
3: yes i am thank you dr iris i appreciate that warm welcome hello uh, dr williamson how you doing today
2: i'm great thank you for joining us in your profession saturdays are busy and so we appreciate even more you taking the time out we know you have limited time today as you tend to the needs of families who are who are entrusting you to help them through what's likely the most challenging time in their lives Lori, what led you to choose a profession in in which you deal with grief every day? Um,
3: I actually took a small entrepreneurship class while I was studying for my master's degree. And in that class, I just researched funeral homes. And it it kind of intrigued me with uh, the characteristics of a funeral director. And so a series of events led to me actually um, reaching out to a funeral home to say, can I serve uh, as your apprentice? And uh, the gentleman told me that he had just prayed for an, an apprentice the day before. So um, the series, the events, kind of led up to really me believing that it was a God-driven calling. And so it really was God because I was actually working at the federal government at the time.
2: And so you mentioned the characteristics of a funeral director, and all of our guests today deal with people who are in this stage of their lives. What are some of the characteristics that you think are important for you and others who are dealing with folks who are grappling with grief?
3: I think um, when you select a funeral director, uh, I think they should be caring, they should be compassionate, they should be empathetic, uh, they should be respectful of your family, um, they should be sincere, um, and I think they have to be detail-oriented because they should be able to you know, anticipate the needs that the family has for service and to help you personalize it in the best way possible.
2: So you mentioned part of your interest growing out of an entrepreneurship class. Despite the emotional and the real-life implications of what you do, it is a business. And so let's talk about some issues that that we'd really like for our audience to think about. When we're gone, we're gone. And so, and, and we'll talk later in the show with some folks who have some spiritual insights on grappling with grief and maybe even preparing for our own demise. But when we're gone, we're gone. There's so much so that we can do to help our loved ones who we leave behind. And so let's talk about the, the business implications of what you do. What about insurance? What happens when someone dies with no life insurance?
3: um several uh several things happen i think uh one of the the first thing that happens is family is stuck with what do we do how will we take care of this um how will we you know lay mom or dad or our sister or brother to rest um it it causes a lot of stress um on top of the grief as well um i think in some instances when a person passes and they don't have insurance um they're you know asking family members and friends to help donations they're uh, you know, selling dinners. They're, you know, um, you know, posting on Facebook saying that they, you know, that they have a need. Um, sometimes they're postponing a service. Sometimes uh, ultimately there's no service because they, they could not come up with any funds. I mean, the city has something for those who, who absolutely have no way of paying, but it's a limited amount. And it, it, it does not sometimes lend to the type of service that they would want. Um, GoFundMe is not the insurance, uh, vehicle. A lot of times, family members use that um, as a platform, but nothing beats actually being able, being prepared, and having insurance.
2: So we understand that that life insurance costs money, and perhaps one reason people might not have life insurance is because they believe they don't have the money. But but what are affordable ways for people to to get life insurance or have something put aside? so that their family doesn't have to endure what you just described?
3: Um, I think starting early and actually pre-planning to find out what it is that you want, to find out what that cost is, and then uh, devising a plan to kind of put a little money away. And I know we're just coming out of a pandemic where, you know, money for some was scarce, and it came down to the ability of should I pay this life insurance or should I pay this light bill? And so I recognize that that is, you know, is as a, as a, as a problem for some. But I think sometimes people don't realize that uh, insurance really is not that expensive, and you don't really have to have uh, a huge policy, but just something. And so I think just taking the time to actually research and find out what is the particular cost. Um, pre-planning does absolutely help because you're uh, taking the pressure off and you're you're um, locking it in at uh, the prices that are current, so that when um, you know inflation kind of happens and prices go up your family is secure and knowing that you've already taken care of it on the front end
4: so talk to us a
2: little bit more about pre-planning how do you do that
3: so uh, pre-planning you can always call um, a particular funeral home that you've uh, selected to sit down with them and actually kind of go through your wishes i want to be um, i want a traditional burial i want an entombment I want to be buried at sea. I want um, to be a, just a traditional burial. I want cremation. Once you've um, sat down and actually planned out what that is and saw what those costs are, you um, you would just go through the um, their process of finding, uh, uh, collecting the payment if you're going to you know make a payment or going through the process of of making. Uh, one payment once families come in and they're totally prepared, and they just make one payment and that those funds are put in into a trust or into insurance an insurance vehicle. Ohio has very strict laws on preplanning and making sure that the uh, dollars are set aside so that families aren't taken advantage of and so Ohio has done a good job of of trying to buffer that so that people feel secure now when they're uh, doing preplanning. but I want to um say that there are five things that preplanning does. One, it it helps to ease the burden for your family, um, knowing your wishes, that's that's important. Two, I think it helps you to assume the financial responsibility for your own funeral. Um, You're not leaving that burden for someone else. Um, You also want your family to have uh, a meaningful uh, memory of you and uh, be able to say bye in a proper space. That's another benefit of it. And it also um, allows your final wishes to be followed. Um, And then I think it also allows you to just plan for end of life because we all know um i haven't met anybody who's made it out of here so who's made it out of here alive so i think we all we we have to in our community we don't do enough of talking about pre-planning and funeral preparations i think we need to do a better job uh lori this is
1: i'm sorry go ahead joanna
2: i can echo some of that not only in terms of financial implications but my mom passed away suddenly. Um my dad had more of a advance warning that that could happen. People sometimes say which one is easier, neither one. But my dad had mapped out everything in writing, including where his insurance policies were and the financial aspects of of us sending him home, but he also wrote down what suit he wanted to wear and what song he wanted read and what songs he wanted to be sung. And it really did give us some comfort knowing just what you said, Lori, that we were doing things according to his wishes, um, but also that we just did not have to sit around and and make decisions and do family feud about those types of things. And I'm sorry, go ahead, Dr. I.
1: Um, I was just wondering, uh, Lori, what is the process? If someone dies, let's say that it's a young person that dies um, unexpectedly, what does the family do then?
3: Um, some, some families, even though it is a young person, some families are still yet prepared. My, my mom is of the generation that when she had grandkids, she took a policy out for them. So my kids have a policy through my mom. So there are some families that are prepared. They come to the funeral home and make arrangements like they, like they can. But there are some young people, um, unfortunately, in Columbus, we have to stop the killing. But unfortunately, in Columbus, I have recently buried a, a numerous young people um, whose families were not prepared um, and so, you know, we had to set the service out for a little bit, for to allow families enough time to kind of um, gather their funds and kind of uh, make hard decisions on um, what type of services they want to have. I see, I see the stress, though. It's nothing like um, a grieving parent um, laying to rest their child, because that's just it's it's the unnatural order of life um, to do it that way. But there, there aren't unfortunately, there aren't any programs in Columbus that have. Of the ability to help families to pay i really wish there was something but there isn't and so um i think the only alternative really is to have some type of insurance which we know sometimes that's not always the affordable option as
1: well we have about so, four minutes left here before we have to take a break lori joanna did you have a question to put in there it, Yes, I was just reflecting on the
2: fact, Dr. I, that that you and I have had shows recently talking about um, crime, and and we didn't take it to the extent that Lori just did to say at the end of that cycle, somebody has to bury a child or a loved one, Um, and so that's just yet another extraordinarily tragic part of what we see in the streets. Lori, we hear people sometimes say that there are things that you should and should not say, to someone going through the loss of a loved one. In, in your experience, what are the, the right and the wrong things to say and do?
3: I think some of the right things to say um, are, um, I am sorry for you know your loved one's passing. Um, I think another one is to share positive memories of your loved one. Um, I think the uh, uh, the ultimate thing is to make sure that you are present. I think sometimes we are we forget that the person is grieving. They can't always return your phone call. They can't always provide you with all the details. They're dealing with the, you know, trying to plan this funeral in less than a week. And so I think we have to learn how to be present for uh, people and, and to offer our services. Hey, how can I help you? Can I come over and sit and answer the phone? Can I do any errands for you this week? Can I drop off, you know, what you need to drop off at the funeral home for you? I think sometimes we forget that they're in that moment and they're feeling the weight of it. And I think those are ways that we can help. Um, I think some of the things that we should not do is telling a person, I know how you feel because you absolutely do not. Every, every service, every family has a different amount of grief. Every family has different dynamics. So just because you've lost your mom, there is not the same feeling as someone else losing their mom. So I think um, taking that, that, that saying out of our vocabulary, I think sometimes it's a natural habit to say, how are you doing? Sometimes they don't know how they're doing. They can't put it into words. And so I think just being there, learning, even though we're in a pandemic, uh, one of the things I didn't like was not being able to hug families because I'm a hugger. I think just being there to to uh, support and, and show empathy is something that you, you should do. And another uh, one is when they say, oh, they lived a long life, um, you know, they lived a long life. That, that still doesn't mean that they're, they're satisfied with the fact that their person has passed. So I think... Those are some of the things that I've learned um, are kind of do's and don'ts and triggers for certain families.
1: We have about two minutes, Lori. Could you please give our audience your contact information so that they know if and when that time comes who they might talk to about funeral planning?
3: Absolutely, I'd love to. Um, I'm Lori Diaz, the Funeral Director at Affinity Memorial Chapel. We are located at 1166 Parsons Avenue. Um, that's Columbus 43206. Our website is uh, Affinity Memorial Chapel, and that's A-F-F-I-N-I-T-Y. A lot of people say infinity, but it's Affinity Memorial Chapel. Um, we are located, we have an Instagram page, we have a Facebook page. Um, I also am starting back up to do a, a blog. We have a blog called Funeral 614, where we talk about uh, all things that are um fun, useful, and uh, not- notable in funeral. So we've t- we're trying to put the fun in funeral. I know it sounds weird, but that is what we do. Um, our phone number at the funeral home is 614-427-1234, and I would love to be your funeral director of choice. And thank you again, Dr. I and Dr. Williamson, for um, asking me to even be on the call. I appreciate you, sister, so much. Thank you,
2: Lori. And Lori, thank you for being an essential worker during this pandemic we know that it was particularly stressful for you and families who had to deal with loss during a season when you couldn't be hugged and when you couldn't have your family all around you so thank you for the work you do and for being with us today on the window
1: and we will be right back in just five minutes on the window
0: Station. The praise the praise. this is communication
1: we're back on the window talking about grappling with grief not a real popular topic but a necessary topic and the next expert we're going to hear from is an estate attorney And he has been in the estate planning business for uh, uh, quite a few years. His name is Jack Gibbs. And he is Um, here today to answer some questions about the profession as well as um, the steps you take in estate planning. So welcome, Jack.
5: Oh, Thank you. Very very glad to be here.
1: I hope you all can hear us. I think there's maybe some technical okay all right thank you all good all good yeah. okay all right. um jack why do you need
5: a will uh, well that that's a relative question it would it it varies from case to case like the, i would uh determining that issue i would need to talk to the person to find out uh, what assets they have how they have them titled or fixed at present uh what what their age is, what family members they have, what their um, the health issues, if any, are a lot, lot, a lot of different variables there that you uh, you can't just put on a piece of paper and say, check all these boxes. You need a will. <laughs>
1: well, who needs a will then?
5: Ah, uh, well, if you're, uh, are you married? Are you not married? Do you have, uh, do you have young kids you want to provide for? Do you want to Uh, lease things to a wife uh do you with with certain issues uh you may need more than just a will depending on what you're trying to do you may need to throw a trust in there you may need to throw there's a lot of other vehicles that the public's not aware of that um, do avoid probate such as uh, survivorship deeds transfer on death deeds payable on death bank accounts and you know, a lot a lot of different variables in there that, that you, you you can't just just put down on a short sheet of paper and say hey yes you need one yes you don't need one or whatever yeah, the, my best advice would be to uh, if you're thinking about that you may need a will is to contact an attorney of your choice and, and ask them that uh, I, I I would suggest that before you do that you re- research that attorney to see see if they're uh, what their what um, uh, background is in the area and what their expertise is like with not everyone with like with me i've been i've been doing this 30 years but but to get to where i am now uh, i've taken over 400 hours of continuing legal education in probate law and estate planning so not only have i i done the experience but actually doing these documents to, to get to that point uh, I, I've been to new, numerous seminars and read, read numerous things and to 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 get to where I am and not not everybody's there and it's sad to say that that sometimes people if they if they don't do that research before they contact a person they may get someone that's not really familiar with the area like I give me I'll give you an example like like you know, the lay person may not know that husband. And wives have certain rights, no matter if they have wills or not. So, all spouse, surviving spouses, have a right to take against the will, no matter what is in the other in the deceased spouse will. A lot of people don't know that. A lot, a lot of surviving surviving spouses also have a right to a forty thousand dollar allowance for support that comes ahead of all creditors. Which is, you don't have to put that in the will. Uh, right now in Ohio uh, uh, you, a surviving spouse it, if 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 car if vehicles aren't de- bequeathed in a will can take as many cars as they want to from the deceased spouse as long as all those cars don't add up to sixty thousand dollars so there's a lot of a lot of different variables there that that maybe possibly the person that doesn't do this doesn't is not aware of all those things that you have to plan for like we, we've had situations where where one, one spouse went to a lawyer and she tried to disinherit her husband. the lawyer didn't know that he she couldn't disinherit him totally without some cooperation. so he did the will anyway this person thought she she jerked her husband but she hadn't so was so he like, dead? Uh, th- this was after, uh, uh, this was after she died. They, they were both living so, so on her own she went out the ex-person went out and had some person that really wasn't versed in the area do a will saying I'm going to cut my husband out all together and leave everything to my kid by another marriage which, which depending on how your assets are tied you can't do that because he, the person that's left behind has a right to take against your will no matter what your will says Oh, that is complicated. Yeah, it's complicated, and the person that did that did not advise this person of that. So, so she's she's thinking that she dies, and then her 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 estate plan is all screwed up because her will can't do what she thought it was going to do. Because all he has to do is take against the will, and all he has to do is he can get all the cars he wants as long as they don't add up to sixty thousand dollars. And he can get his forty thousand dollar allowance for supports, which comes ahead of all creditors, which is in the will. And sometimes the states aren't more than forty thousand dollars. So, and you're and you're in uh, like like a complicated issue there too. Like if you have, say, you have a house, and and the the equity in the house is forty thousand dollars or less, you can use that forty thousand dollar allowance for support to get that whole house in your name. And screw the other heirs. So, so it, it, it's a lot of different little things and things that, that people aren't aware of that, that you have to be aware of when you do, the, do this uh, process. Yeah.
1: When, when um, we had to make a decision with my mother mm-hmm. to um, take her out of independent living right. and put her in an extended care facility, a nursing right. home, um, she owned a home. And it was in her name and my brother's name. Right. And so we she had, transferred. Was she,
5: in, was she in Indiana or here? Indiana, this well, is that, Indiana. That, that's another variable people don't realize that people, people are not aware that, that uh, in most instances, probate law and state penalty law is different in every state. So and Medicaid laws are, are different in every state. So, some Medicaid laws are, are more liberal in other states on what assets you can keep there are uh, uh, there are uh, in, in like in Ohio and in Franklin County there are a few lawyers that all they deal with is Medicaid planning and how to figure out ways to keep your assets away from Medicaid uh, I, I was uh, oh I would I, I, um, I, I, I watched a, a virtual seminar about a month ago and there there's a there's a uh, there's a law firm here that 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 all they do—that's all they do—is Medicaid planning. The girl did that. She she was saying under some new Medicaid guidelines here in Ohio, uh, you can have a million dollars, and, and under certain situations, they can get you on Medicaid, even though you have a million dollars in the bank. So so there there are there are all kind of different little things and things. So sort of really, really there are. It's especially that that when we do have someone like that that has issues that we co consult with these people and do that and there are there was uh, several of these people that, that their expertise is so valuable there was one guy that he was he was charging a thousand dollars for initial consultation which which was worth it depending on what kind of assets you have so so that that that's a whole nother bag of worm by itself by, worms by itself which there are there are some Medicaid specialists that are very good at it and they are worth their money now, when you, there are all kind of exemptions for keeping houses and keeping money away from Medicaid that you're, you, you wouldn't believe unless you talk to one of these people.
1: So there's no cookie cutter approach. No cookie to cutter approach, right. When somebody passes, that's, right. that's the main message here. Now, what is a trust?
5: Uh, basically, a trust is you say you have a house, you have a car, you have bank accounts, you decide to create uh, John Doe and Mary Doe Family Trust and you transfer all your assets to John Doe and Mary Doe Family Trust. And with the trust, you, you say, uh, okay, when X dies, I want this to happen. When B dies, I want that to happen. Uh, I want this person to get that there. And, and you, you have a plan that can go through two or three generations or four generations, whatever. It, it doesn't always um, work for everybody uh, it, it does avoid probate. Uh, not not everyone needs a trust. Uh, uh, like the uh, uh, there are there are, there are a lot of um, uh, a lot of people get these mailings and mail oh, avoid probate go with a trust and they they have they have mailings from and they don't realize a lot of these lawyers doing these mailings they're from California they're from other states and they're just it's just a trust meal, and and you may not need one. We've had people who had all their kids were grown all they had was a house all they had was a car and they read this trust meal stuff and they end up spending four or $5,000 for, for a trust. They, they probably didn't need where we we could have did a transfer on death deed transfer on death deed is just, you just say, I want my house to go to X son when I die in a very simple form. When you die, all you gotta do is find an affidavit and death to it. Bam. House automatically goes to the, the son, uh, which avoids, was the long earth, and but you, certain situations you may need a trust thing. You know, your lo, lo, common uh, issues that were trusts are really good. Uh, you have um, uh, husband and wife, maybe both second marriage, uh, both have accumulated substantial assets, um, uh, both have children by first marriage, uh, both want to provide for those children for the first marriage, and they don't want the the present spouse to to benefit from what their prior deceased spouse or their prior first spouse helped them build. So so those kind of situations that uh, trusts do work and they do help where, where both sides can protect their children by the first marriage and make sure the assets get to where they, they want to go.
1: What about power of attorney and a guardian what's the purpose of those two uh,
5: powers of attorney are a good thing if you have a if you have a good financial power of attorney and you have a good health care power of attorney you can in most situations avoid the cost of a guardianship guardianships are very expensive and court what does costs that mean? what is a guardianship oh guard okay let's let's say you don't have a power of attorney you don't have a power of attorney. You know, powers of attorney, most of them are durable, meaning they're still good when you become incompetent. You execute them while you're competent, saying, if I become incompetent, I want this still, still thing good. I designate X person to write checks for me, to to, to to make legal decisions for me, to that kind of thing. If you don't have that and you zap out and you're not dead and you're just laying in a coma or something, then then someone has to apply to be your guardian now the person that applies to be your guardian they say to let's say there, let's say there's uh you're um uh, uh you're a, you're you're a single person you're a widow or divorce let's say you have five children all five children are in ohio all five children have an equal right to be your guardian. So, so you could have five people applying, trying to be your guardian. <laughs> now, now, what, now that, that could be extended fight. Now, now the, now, now after one of them is appointed, uh, they have to file accounts once a year. Uh, they have to be bonded for twice the value of your financial uh, liquid. Uh, uh, every time they make expenditure or, or they they have to get it authorized by the courts uh, it, it's a it's a very expensive process whereas versus if you had a good power of attorney in effect uh, the person that's the name poa could could step in and take control the bad thing about poas is there it is a blank check um, uh, if you're not a good child or not not a good good person you could go to the bank get all your parents money or whatever and we we've, we've had that happen too we we do explain that when uh, uh when people do execute the POA but in most situations though uh if they 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 uh, the persons have they have a child or a friend they trust and most of the time they come through and do what they're supposed to do mm-hmm. as a POA financial and uh uh healthcare
1: so there's no oversight on, on a POA on POA just no. whatever you want to do
5: not not until after you get caught stealing money <laughs> Oh. <laughs> then after you get caught, then all the money's gone. Then you're trying to sue these people, to get this money back. Most of the time, the money is gone, and you can't, you can't get it. Well, what yeah.
1: department
5: of government oversees that? That's the yes. probate court. Probate court. Right. Okay. Right. Okay. If you, yeah, yeah. So, some some issues in probate court, and then uh, possibly the theft issues and things. Some may be in a uh, general division of common pleas. Okay. Okay. Um, Joanna, do you have any questions for Jack?
2: So I do, and Jack, thank you again for being with sure, us today. So sure. so w- what makes me cringe when I talk to people sometimes is when they hear the, the, the types of descriptions you're giving, Jack, they assume that all of this is just so complicated that if they're not extremely wealthy, this is something they shouldn't do. And on today's show about grief, again, we're just reminding people that if you get your affairs in order, as we sometimes say, it makes things so much simpler for your family but also for you i've seen people fight over shoes i mean just make a list uh, anybody listening on a list of anything you have your car your clothes whatever we've seen people fight over who gets that when you're gone so if you have your wishes mapped out that goes a long way towards saying to people here is what he or she wanted to happen that and, is true. and the same thing true with um power of attorney for example my sister was in the hospital, and she was going to be fine and recover. But while she was in the hospital, I wasn't able to take care of her financial affairs without her okay, because she hadn't yet signed a power of attorney to give me that responsibility. And she got sicker, and we had to make decisions about her health care, looking at each other, saying who would she want to make these decisions, and what would her wishes be, was so... Stressful for all of us; that it added to our pain, and I think actually added to her the stress of her illness, having to deal with all that after she was sick, instead of ahead of time. So, Jack, is this
5: expensive? To no, to, no. To it, a, it, uh, a person does not have to be wealthy to do do some uh, 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 some basic estate planning to uh, uh, to to make transition easier uh, with the uh, 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 like like for people with not a lot of assets, a, a basic will, a basic health care power of attorney, a basic um, uh, financial power of attorney. And as far as on the property side, either a uh, either survivorship deed or a transfer on death designation affidavit, uh, uh, we, we can keep the real estate out of probate for a uh, 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 not a really uh, uh, expensive process. And, and there we've had a lot of people who, who weren't extremely wealthy do these things and they were they were quite satisfied afterwards where where if you have the the deed thing in place with either survivorship deed or transfer on death affidavit uh, uh, and beneficiaries on accounts and things and basically hey, you can you can almost be all, probably be non-probate and, and be happen pretty fast yeah
1: we have about one more minute before we have to take a break um how do you introduce this topic to your children what do you say? I uh, just know that's a tough, tough conversation.
5: It, uh, from past experience, it is very hard, and there are—you just have to do it. There are, there are, there are, uh, there are lawyers, there are doctors, there are professional people that do not plan, that do not do POAs, do not do lawyer, do not do wills, do not do trusts, and we, we deal with those issues too. They, they can be messy. But a lot of people think they're they're writing a death uh, notice if they do this. So it, it's I, I would say with estates about half we do about half of them have wills and plans and half don't. So there's uh, uh, it, it, it's hard to do for some people, but you, it's something you got to bite the bullet and do. Uh, but not everybody will do it
1: can you give us your contact information sure. if someone uh, needs some help
5: right uh, jack gibbs uh, my uh, 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 phone number is 614-224-3191 and i'm on the internet you can pull me up and uh, um, see where we're at and what we do thank you jack sure. enjoy thank the rest you. of your
1: day we're okay, going to take you. a break here folks and we will right, be right back on the window about grappling with grief. So now we've talked to um, a funeral director, got her perspective on planning for the inevitable. We've talked to an estate attorney who's demonstrated how complicated the estate planning process can be. And now we have a experienced grief counselor um, waiting to speak with us and give us her advice and this is reverend charlotte carter from faith ministries welcome reverend charlotte
6: hi but i'm not reverend Oh. My co-leader is Reverend Cassandra.
1: Okay, I apologize I'm, I'm for that. Okay, that's well, okay, I will, I'm Sister okay. Charlotte. Okay, Sister, Sister Charlotte. Charlotte, yes, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, we welcome you today, and we're anxious to hear from you and your grief ministry. So, Joanna, would you like to lead the uh, conversation? Yes,
2: yeah, so thank you. So let's start with what is a grief ministry.
6: Hi, Joanna. I need, um, I'm having trouble hearing you.
2: I'm sorry. Can you hear me better now?
6: Yes, thank you.
2: What is a grief ministry?
6: At Faith Ministries, our pastor chose to use the um, Christianity based commercial program uh, entitled Grief Share. It's an, and, um, a whole packet of information that guides the support group process. And they have um, tons of resources that are available to supplement that program on their website. So that's grief share at faith ministries before the pandemic, we met weekly and the grief chair program is a 13-week process that includes a workbook, um, training for the leaders and a leader's workbook, videos that we would watch at the weekly meetings, and as I said, many other resources. After the pandemic, our pastor came up with Faith Ministries After Church, and after his sermon, on every um, Sunday morning, he would send to the ministry leaders an outline to follow to um, discuss the sermon that Pastor had preached on the previous Sunday morning. Reverend Cassandra and I decided to do our group on Wednesdays. All of the participants are individuals that we already had relationships with because of their grief journey, and since the pandemic, a couple of more people have joined our weekly radio, I'm sorry, television, hmm, I'm just confused, telephone conference (laughs) meeting each week. So we call in, and we follow that outline that Pastor Wise provides.
1: Sister Charlotte, this is Iris. Does everybody need to go through grief counseling? When someone dies.
6: I recently lost um, both of my parents. One in November of 2019 and one in 2020, which was very recently. My father passed away at the age of 99 and my mother passed away at the age of 90. I... From my personal experience and the 15 years that I've done the grief ministry at uh, Faith Ministries, I highly recommend that. Now, um, there's so many different kinds. You can get in touch with uh, hospitals that have programs. Other churches have programs that are not grief share. We um, have our information available online, so sometimes people find us through the grief share, um, website itself. It is, it's an, it's really imperative for a person who is grieving to be able to talk about it. And it doesn't take anything away from that person. Some people, you know, there's a taboo uh, in our culture sometimes when it comes to seeking out counseling, um, I recommend it. I have. I know no one who's ever gone through our program has regretted it. They always say, I am so glad I did this. And some people come back. It's a 13-week program, but I we've had people who participated um, for more than one series.
1: Well, what is the premise of the grief ministry? Is it to accept God's will, even though... Christians accept God's will anyway, or is it learning how to manage um, your emotions?
6: It's everything. Um, Because Grief Share is Christianity-based, of course, the um, program infuses a lot of scripture. Um, We pray before every session We pray after every session. We uh, look up supporting passages in scriptures in the Bible. But the bottom line is to just be healthy. We just want uh, everyone to know that they're not in that journey by themselves. And you don't even have to be a Christian to participate. Now, there have been people who have said, I I don't even believe in God. We don't turn them away. If you, you know, if you're willing to allow us to honor and humble ourselves before our Lord, we're willing to have you participate with us and get whatever you can out of our um, support group. And there have been people who have found the Lord through the support group but it's not a requirement, it's not a requirement to be a member of faith ministries to participate. We just want people to um, be embraced and to be receptive to um, the fact that grieving is hard, it takes its toll. And when you're doing it by yourself, it can really damage you emotionally, physically, um, even financially, because if your head is not clear, It's hard to make wise decisions about your personal business.
1: Sister Charlotte, what about people that don't demonstrate openly that they're having any issues? Is it possible to be grieving and not even really recognize it?
6: Oh, yes. That's an excellent question. One of the young ladies who is a faithful member of our group and has been with us for many months, lost her mother, oh, something like 16 years ago, and her sister um, six or seven years after that. And her sibling, the surviving two sisters, one was in one location, one was in the other, her sister recognized that uh, she had not really come um, back to herself as best as you can after losing a loved one that's that close. And her sister recommended um, that she join our grief share at Faith Ministries. And she admitted, I just kind of pushed it in the back, and and I thought I was okay. But her sister could tell she wasn't.
1: Hmm. Are there other reasons that you would go through grief other than losing a loved one?
6: Yes. Um, I guess if I had to categorize it, divorce is probably one of the major other losses that uh, commonly commonly cause grieving. Um, we've, we've had people participate because they lost their job. Um, we've had people who uh, lost a loved one, but in the process of participating in our support group, They said, well, you know what? I lost my home. I was grieving, but I didn't know it until now. Um, Some people grieve when they have to um, relocate uh, from one city or state to another because they've established a base of friends, um, may have a church family that they've worshipped with for years. Um, They're numerous, and, and you're probably thinking of some other uh, situations that I'm not even mentioning by listening to this list.
1: Well, I was just thinking Maybe. about this pandemic, when people have been See? isolated, bringing back right. old memories of, of loss and mistakes that you've made in your life, in your opinion, or just bad decisions can put you Thank in that you. mindset.
6: Thank you. That's, that's exact. Thank you very much. Because I, hadn't, I, I should have thought of that, but that's an, an integral part of our process. When we are talking as a support group, what I say may trigger a thought for you. You say something, it may trigger a thought mm-hmm. for someone else. We're, we're like a family, and we encourage one another. Now, if you want to come to a session when, when they're in person or call in on the telephone, and if you don't say anything, that's fine because maybe you don't feel like it that day, but you're still going to gain something. And I'm so glad that
1: you're explaining this, Sister Mm -hmm. Charlotte, because I had to stop listening to the news in Mm -hmm. the morning over the Mm -hmm. last year because it would put me in the mindset that I didn't want to do anything else the rest of the day.
6: Right. And I now recognize that as a form of grief. Right. Exactly. Thank you so much for sharing that. And that's another point. Uh, many times people are hesitant to share those sensitive, delicate feelings. Because you feel weak. Mhm. And as you participate in a support group, you begin to trust. Because one of our tenants is what's said in our support group stays in our support group. Reverend Cass and I don't even use the names of our group members when we're just, dis- when we're talking to other people. I've run into people before and they'll say, Oh, my cousin um, is so and so. And I'll, I'll say, Oh, I know her. And they might say, Well, how, how do you know her? I'll say, Well, she visited faith ministry mm-hmm. and she might really be part of the support group, but it's her story to tell. Now, if a person is in our support group and they tell someone, we don't, you know, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Maybe that person will accompany to you, accompany you to a meeting, and we've had that. We've had family members come and um, participate and support their loved one, and everyone who's ever participated gains something. You gain something through learning God's word and God's will, and and learning how to accept what has happened in your life because. When the, when it's all said and done, all of us are going to leave here by passing away. Um, we have about two.
1: Excuse me. We have about two minutes,
6: and Uh-oh. I wanted to um,
1: allow um, Sister um, Joanna, Doctor Joe, to get in a question. She's uh-huh. having some technical difficulties, but she's got a question. Oh. Okay. Yes, I
2: do, So, I, and, and to just follow up on what you said about support groups, I know someone who is in a support group, not yours, and the support group helped this person understand that her situation was so very traumatic that she actually sought one-on-one counseling to deal with the specifics of what she was going through. So. She benefited from both individual counseling and group counseling. I wanted to ask, as we end, if you could first share the website you're talking about that have the resources that our listeners can go to. Can you share that again?
6: Yes. And it, I, I, I'm not sure of the end of it, but if you do www.greekshare.com, Grief is capitalized, and share is capitalized, and there's no space between the two words. So it's capital G-R-I-E-F, capital S-H-A-R-E, grief share. And it'll pop up.
2: And then as we close today, someone listening is grappling with grief. Is there just one closing message or thought you can give them to help them with this process?
6: Yes. Uh, don't be afraid to reach out and always trust in the Lord.
1: Thank you.
4: Thank you so, so much, much for your work. Yes. Thanks for joining us for the window.
1: We are out of time. We thank everyone for joining in today on this somewhat difficult topic, but it's important. And we wish you have a good week. And we will talk with you next Saturday on
6: The Window. Bye-bye. Thank you thank you ladies <laughs>
0: This is the praise. Yeah, is the praise. gold ship communication station. Join us <laughs> in the Trinity at the Eastern Gate, Wednesday mornings at 11:30 a.m. Right here on your gold ship communication station, 1580. thepraisecom This is the Gold Chip communication, communication, communication Station. Fifteen eighty to praise Horns
4: hitting. <laughs> I want to sing this over you. Let me hear you say, say.
7: Sing it out
4: Is
7: he? Mm-hmm. Oh no. look here. Yeah. I remember the day church, and I remember the hour when the Holy Spirit fell on me and filled me with His great power. On that day, church, my life. Never the same I ran around telling the world What the Lord had done for me Got in my hands
4: Got in my hands. Got
7: in my feet Got in my feet Got in my heart Got in my heart All over me All over Well, me. I got that Holy Holy Ghost I got that Holy Holy Ghost Oh, Lord, Lord I was singing I tried to hold it in church but
0: station with the very master in gospel music gospel jazz new music and classics your top 40 live talk shows church programs and much much more only on 1580thepraise.com
5: Hi, I'm Dr. Gordon Christensen. When I became a dentist, I learned how quickly poor oral health can lead to other serious health problems. And for people without access to care, these problems can spiral very quickly. I wanted to help, so I joined Dental Lifeline Network. Right now, there's a wait list for patients in need in your community. I'm asking fellow dentists who will join me in seeing one patient per year. To
1: learn more, visit willuc1.org.
0: What's that sound? Can't you hear it? Why, it's the sounds of spring. And with the sound of spring, we have the sounds of people outdoors, in the parks, children playing, the sounds of barbecue grills and outdoor concerts. For those live concerts, indoors or outdoors, or DJ services, just call DNR, DNR Sound, sound Co- Company at 614-290-0479 or 614 670 2327 DNR R- Sound R- Company R- with over 30 years of sound and DJ service experience. Call 614-290-0479. That's 614-290-0479 or 614-670-2327. 614-670-2327. That's DNR Sound. DNR Sound.
8: Listen up Columbus,
2: sign up for an exciting nine-week summer day camp with APDS. It's for boys and girls ages 6 to 12 years old. Camp is daily from 7.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. And it's at a price you can't afford to miss. Call APDS at 614-253-4448. Enrollment is limited, so call now. That's 614-253-4448. This is an
6: Adam H. funded program. And now, a message from
5: NRW
9: Law Office. This is Attorney Nicole Russell Washington of NRW Law Office, an experienced business attorney with a Master of Laws in Business and Taxation, representing and advising business owners with their legal and business matters, including preparing and negotiating business contracts and other legal documents, business tax planning, and ongoing legal counsel for the business. In addition, I help churches, ministries, and other nonprofit organizations obtain their 501c. Designation from the IRS and adhere to the maze of federal laws in order to keep that 501c designation. Call Attorney Nicole Russell Washington for a no cost initial consultation to protect your business or nonprofit toll free at 1 888 243 Law 3 or on the web at www.nrwlaw.net. That's Attorney Nicole Russell Washington, 1 888 243 Law 3 or www.nrwlaw.net.
0: Hey Columbus, this is Pastor Wayne Dandridge. Join me Monday through Friday beginning at 10 a.m. with Columbus's only show that highlights your local independent artist, Your Columbus Praise. That's right, it's Your Columbus Praise with all of your favorite local independent artists only on The Praise. The Praise. Gold Chip Communication Station. The Praise. The Praise. This This is is the Gold Chip Communication Station, Station. 1580
5: praise.com. I am what you created me to be. I'm full of something tonight, I'm full of possibilities tonight, and every possibility in me
7: must manifest, somebody lift up your hands and say it's time for me to manifest, oh I wish I had somebody to declare it, somebody say it's time for me to manifest
4: Say it with us. You are are what God made you to be. You are everything
7: God spoke over your life. Everything He declared about you. Come on, I need you to nudge your neighbor. Look at somebody and let them know you are. Yes. they prophes out over yourself. Hey.
6: Say with great conviction right now, I am.
0: This This is is the Gold Ship Communication communication Station, station, (laughs) 1580thepraise.com.
7: Releasing faith for a move of God in this place Anybody else sing it with me I'm
4: expecting a move of God Anticipate.
7: Anticipate Go My God has prepared for us. Get ready. Whoa. He's able. <laughs> He's still able, church.